This is More Than Therapy Podcast. More Than Therapy. This is More Than Therapy. More Than Therapy Podcast. This is More Than Therapy. More Than Therapy Podcast. This is More Than Therapy Podcast. And welcome to another episode of More Than Therapy. Today's guest, Susan Jane. And today we're going to talk about intuition and trusting our intuition and falling into our intuition and letting our intuition be our guide. Susan, my guest today, has spent over 30 years encouraging people to connect, develop, and trust their intuition to enable them to make confident decisions in line with their true core values. But her life hasn't been that simple. How do you make the right decisions in life when other people have made them for you? Susan's strength lies within, and she relies strongly on her intuition to guide her towards her goals in life. She has learned to trust this power and teach others to do the same. Susan does this through the tools she has developed, her favorite tool being intuitive flower readings. Now is the time to enjoy your journey and trust in your intuitive self. Susan. Hello and well, thank you. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I, I was just in awe of your introduction, um, not about me, but about when you were singing in that. It was just so lovely. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> little auto tunes, <laughs> a little something, something reverb. <laughs> so cool. It was really cool. I love thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Susan. Susan. <coughs> hmm, sorry. <laughs> Intuition, yes. something many people are taught to stay away from because it's like, oh, you're just going off of feelings or you're just going off a, a flighty thought pattern. You know, people want people to be evidence based. People want people to be, if it doesn't make X equals B plus C or if it doesn't make absolutes, then people say, oh, it doesn't make sense. Why would you even rely on that? Why would you do that? But we know. And I don't know why they teach us this in school to be so evidence-based because there's some things that are beyond evidence, right? Yes. And intuition is one of those things. Tell us about your journey regarding intuition. Well, my journey started many, many moons ago, many, many moons ago. Um, and the funny thing is about it that you aren't aware of it until you start to reflect back. So there were situations that happened to me that I lived through, went through, you know, tried to assess, tried to work out what they meant. But it wasn't until 10 or 20 years later that they started to, you started to get these aha moments and get an understanding of it. The first big one, I remember actually in primary school when I, I was coming home from primary school and I was with my big sister and we just left the gates of the school and I said to her, oh, mum's in a bad mood. Now, I didn't know what PMS was, so I didn't, I didn't even know what periods were, so I had no idea why, but I just said, mum's in a bad mood. And she looked at me and said, well, how do you know? And all I could think of was, well, how do you not know? Like, how do you not know that? Because it was so strong a feeling. Anyway, I just let that go, headed home, and, of course, mum was in a bad mood. <laughs> and um, my sister then sort of basically blamed me because I called it. So I taught myself then to stop calling it, to just ignore it. Those feelings, those, those thoughts, those ideas that we get, I learned to ignore them. 
until one particular time and I was 19 years old and I was on holidays like two states away from where I lived and I was coming home and I had a tap on the shoulder I turned around and was it was king hit punched in the face knocked out hit the ground and then I came to being dragged into the back of a car by my hair now at this particular stage, there was nothing I could do. I, I, I tried to fight back, but um, in a, a pack rape situation, there's, there's sort of not a lot you can go on with. So I thought to myself, well, and I don't know where this came from. I have no idea. But I thought to myself, I can't stop them doing what they're going to do, what they choose to do. But how can I stop them from doing it to somebody else? So this was my thought, and I, and I put that thought out in a question. How do it? I asked, how can I stop these people doing this to anyone else? And I didn't even know if I was going to get out of this alive at that stage. But in an instant, I actually left my body. And I remember standing there outside of the car looking in. And when I talk about this, I talk about her because or she because it didn't feel like me. I felt like I was standing outside the car looking in. It didn't feel like me in the back seat. And when I looked at her, you could see the, the energy coming off the side of the face where, where she'd been punched. You, you could see the blood coming down the side of her mouth, but, but you couldn't taste it. There's no emotional attachment in this situation. There was no emotions. You were just watching it. You could see the energy coming out the back of her hair. And that energy was obviously what we call pain because that's where she was dragged in. You could see the blood coming through. And I'm just standing there watching. I, I remember looking around thinking, is anyone going to help her? But it didn't feel wrong. It didn't feel right. It didn't feel anything. There was no emotional attachment to it. So when I came back into the body, because I'd asked the question, how can I stop them? And I left the body. I don't know how long I was away. I don't know how long I was detached for. And there is there is terminology that they use in, in the, the psychological aspects of it. Um, you could put in as many words down as you like, but the way it felt, you just can't explain that. But as I've come back into the body, coming back into the body, everything hits you at once. So if you can imagine you're out of the body, there's no sight, there's no sound, there's no taste. You don't you don't hear, there's sight and sound, but you don't hear and see the same way. You can't taste, you can't feel as in touch. The five physical senses are not there in the same way that we know them to be in a physical body. So I've come back in and as I've come back into the body, everything hit all at once. The pain, the embarrassment, the, the shame, the guilt, everything, everything came back in at once. And the, and the pain and the taste and the smell of alcohol and cigarettes that they'd been obviously driving around and around in that car for who knows how long looking for somebody to attack. So everything comes back at once. But as that came back at once, I also had a message and I don't know how I got that message and I don't have an understanding of the message. I'm not a religious person. I don't know, I, I don't go to church or anything else. I only knew two prayers and that was from primary school. But as I've come back into this body, I have turned around and I've started to pray to them out loud. Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. Didn't quite understand what it meant. I was 19. I really didn't have an understanding of it, but I said it. They didn't like it. So I said it again. I said it louder 
and louder and louder. And every time they would hit me, um, try to stop me from talking because I was praying to them. I was praying for their souls and they didn't like it. Whether they ever did it again, I don't know. I believe two didn't. But one of them was just, he was so violent, I would I can't imagine where he ended up. But doing this prayer, they eventually stopped me from talking by suffocating me and I passed out, was dumped on the side of the road and that was that situation. 12 months to the day, I had a near-death experience where again I left my body. This was while I was at work. I worked in a bank and I didn't, I felt a little bit unwell. And I ended up passing out and had this near-death experience. Now, the, the, we had a doctor surgery right beside the bank. The doctor came in, gave me an adrenaline shot and brought me back. But I remember distinctly with this one, it's like if you can imagine laying on the ground and you've got people looking over you and then you stand up. Now, as you stand up, everybody's gaze follows you. I stood up. Nobody's gaze followed me. Everybody was looking down. And I remember thinking, I'm here. I'm here. Why are you looking down? And then the near-death experience happened. And I can go into detail in that, but this is about trusting your intuition. And the reason why I'm explaining this to you is because I didn't know that's what I was experiencing. I didn't know what it meant. After the attack, I swore never to talk about it unless I could talk about it in a positive way. So consequently, I didn't speak about it for many, many, many years. No therapist, nothing else. Just just held it on my own. And it was about 10, 15 years later after these two incidences happened that I started to read a lot more on books. Now, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have podcasts. We didn't have all these good things that you got nowadays. So I used to go to the library and get lots of books out. I would get those books out and I would start reading them and getting some information on them. And I'm a theory tester. I don't like the woo-woo stuff, and yet I talk about intuition because I'm a theory tester. So I'm reading through these books, and I picked up this book one about near-death experiences. I'm thinking, oh, that's interesting. Let's have a read about that. I heard about that. And as I'm reading it, I'm going, oh, that's what happened when I passed out of the bank. And you'd read a couple more because it was um, people's experiences. And then I'd read a couple more experiences, and I'd go, oh, actually, that happened too. And it was like three or four things that happened over these experiences from other people. And I thought to myself, that's what I've had. I had a near-death experience. Again, didn't understand it at the time. Wasn't until a lot longer, a lot later. And then I had, I read a book on astral travelling. Now, this way you're getting really woo-woo here. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to test this theory because I've tested a few theories. I'd tested a dance with anger and I'd tested visualisation and I thought, I'm going to test this one. Let's see if I can test this one. So the, the goal was to leave my body intentionally and I did it. It took a little while, but I did it. And as I'm flying over out of the driveway, I got so excited and as soon as you put emotions to it, straight back in the body I went. So that was the third time I'd actually left my body. Now, there's people that do astral travelling all the time. But for me, it was a little bit of excitement because it was a theory testing. That's when I sort of went, okay, so this experience happened, you know, that the attack had happened and I'd left my body. I didn't understand what that was, didn't tell anybody. Then the near-death experience had happened. I'd left my body in a different sort of manner. And then the final one, when I left my body deliberately. So I'd had all these, experience, these three experiences 
And I've put them all together and that's when I started to look at intuition because although I dealt and talked about it and had an understanding, I needed to get an analytical understanding of intuition. And how I brought that through now, and this, this is how I look at intuition. So intuition for me is the spirit side. So obviously we've got the spirit side because I've felt it three times in three different ways. So we've got this spirit element of us, and we can call that the soul if you like, but it's a spiritual element. Then we've got our physical element. And that the physical element is what you see, you know, what, what's happening here. Now, you've got to remember, the physical element has gone through all these DNA. It's gone through environmental areas. It's gone through all these changes in life. So um, from my parents, my parents' parents, my parents' parents' parents', parents, parents and, and we just keep on going. So we've got all this DNA and all that understanding coming through there, all that genetic learnings, all that um social learnings, all that cultural learnings that are all coming through on this physical level. Then we've got the spiritual side. Now, this is where it can get a little bit woo-woo because I believe that the spirit has lived in many other bodies over many periods too. And this is where I see reincarnation coming through. This is where I see our eternal life when we talk about that, when they talk about it in the Bible. It's that spiritual side, that soul of us that is eternal, that just keeps on going. Now, how often it keeps on going, I don't know. I don't go right into the details there. Um, and we can just go off in so many different tangents. But this is where I see the spirit side of us and the physical side of us. Now, when we're looking at them, and like I said, when I had the when the attack happened, I know the connection there is very strong, and yet it's not in the same manner as what you would find the connection is in a physical manner. So, how does a spirit that has no um, none of the five senses, how does spirit connect and talk? or communicate with a physical body if that's where we are living. So you can imagine this spirit that's inside us and they're trying to talk to us or they're trying to communicate with the physical side of us, the physical side that's gone through all this DNA, all this, you know, stuff and nonsense, and they're trying to communicate. And why they're doing that is because the soul, the spirit of us, the soul of us is the part that has the life purpose. It's the purpose in this lifetime and it's up to the physical body to get them there and that's why they are doing that now sometimes I look at this and, and again I go back into this analytical side because I have to it's got to make sense to me if it doesn't make sense it's not it's it's pointless so I looked at it and I look at it in this context of if you can imagine the soul is a driver and the and the body is the car Okay, so we've got the car, which is the physical side, and we've got the driver, okay? And that driver has to communicate with that car to get it to go from point A to point B. Now, we know nowadays, and as we've progressed in life, cars now can park themselves. They can almost drive themselves. I mean, I think there's some that do. Um, and they can do so much on their own. We have, um, we have Siri and we have, you know, Google that can tell us where to go and what to do and how to get there. So you've got all this... Uh, understanding in the car but then we've got the driver who goes okay I, I know you can get me there the quickest route and I know you can you've got the wheels and the and the engine to get me there but you want to go that way and I want to go that way 
So how do we get these messages to come across and how do we get the the driver to press the right buttons to get to where he needs to go? Because the car might want to go from the body, might be going, okay, I need to have food and I need to have exercise and I need to have sex and I need to have whatever it is I need. I need to do this and I need to do that. And they're going to have that track. Whereas the spirit's going, but hang on, hang on, I know you want to go there. But I want to go this way first. I want to take the scenic route first because I've got a learning and an understanding to do. I've got some sort of um, teachings that I need to have or, or learn or get an uh, understanding of. And if you're going directly there, I'm not going to get that. I'm going to miss the scenery on the way. So that's how we can look at how our soul, our spirit is trying to get from point A to point B and get their life lesson in this lifetime and how the physical body has just as much right because the physical body has had its learnings and understandings as well. So that's how I look at intuition. That's how I, I see intuition. It's the communication between the spirit and the physical. So it's the communication between the soul and our bodies. And that's where I, I really focus in on intuition and, and what it is. And that's sort of how I've got to where I am. And, and doing all the work and the study and the, you know, I, I can see on the the um, video that you're putting a, a lot of the ticker tape down and it's all about my bachelor's degree and my uh, time when I was nominated Australian Citizen of the Year and, and all this work, all that all that physical body stuff that we do. But deep down, it's all always been my passion to help women, people, anyone connect with their intuition. And I probably focus more on women because being a woman, I can understand where they're at. But none of my work uh, really alienates men or, or, or males. Um, so yeah, so that's what I that's what I do. That was the, that was a long version of it. <laughs> No, it was just enough. It was just enough. We have a, a watcher or listener, or follower, or whatever. They have a question, if you don't mind. Oh yes, sorry, I didn't know. You they would like that. to know. They heard. They heard your story. They understood what your perspective that got you into where you're at regarding intuition. But in simpler terms, in an overall umbrella of a term, how would you describe intuition? Well, intuition is definitely those messages that we're getting and we're getting it from our soul, from our spirit. And some people say that that soul is connected to God. So it, it depends on your terminology, but it is messages. Now, how we get those messages is what's really exciting because we can get them as an emotion, as a feeling, because feelings are different to emotions. Emotions are energy in motion. So it's when you're acting Whereas a feeling is what you're feeling, you don't necessarily act it out. So we can get it in that way. We can get it in thoughts. You know where you get that, you, you say something and all of a sudden you go, well, where did that come from? I have no idea. We can get it as, a, as an idea. You're the phone will ring and you'll think, oh, that's that's such and such. I bet you that's such and such. And you, you'll pick it up in lots of different ways. One of the ways that um, I, one of the ways that I, I really explain it well is, I was driving down the road with my partner. We were on a highway. We're driving down the road. And we'd been discussing something at home. And I, I can't for the life of me remember what it was, but it was something we were we were interested in. We were talking about it. We were driving down there and he sees a big billboard that had something about what we were talking about. And he goes, oh, wow, did you see that? That was what we were talking about. How synchronistic was that? That was really strange. And I went, oh, I didn't see it. Now, we're driving down the same road. And then on the radio, they started talking about the same thing. 
And I said to him, oh, listen to that. They're talking about the same thing. Did you hear that? And he goes, no, I didn't hear it. He's in the same car. And yet his intuition, he, he had that little button press that went, look that way, see that? And I was, I was more hearing. And we, we get pick it up in different ways. We pick up these intuitive messages in different ways. And some of the ways you can look at it is how you like to learn. So some people like to write and read. Some people like to hear. So if you listen, if, if you're a podcast listener and you like to hear it, then you will pre- probably pick up a lot of um, messages audibly. If you are somebody who likes to watch the video uh, and you sort of tend to be reading the, the voices or watching the body language, then you might be more visual. And it, it's crazy, these, these little things like all of a sudden you look at the clock. You, you may be working in front of the computer all day and you look at the clock and it will be 12.34, 1, 2, 3, 4, numbers running in line or 11, 11, you know, and you start to get these things. And these are when you're asking a question like I did when I were in the attack, when you're asking a question, to ask the question allows you to be open to receiving the messages. So when you're starting to receive these messages and you see the clock that is 11.11, look up, what does 11.11 mean? When you see a poster, a sign go past, even when you're driving down the road and you see a big poster go past, a billboard, that's right, billboard, when you see them go by, if it catches your attention, there's a reason behind it. So anything that's catching your attention Look a little bit deeper in it because that is those intuitive messages coming through and they keep coming through. You know how you kick your toe and all of a sudden you kick it three or four times? There's a message behind that. Is it your left toe? Is it your right toe? Your right toe is about your direction, your physical direction. Your left toe is about your spiritual direction. And we all have these little messages and these understandings that um, allow us to go a bit deeper if we want to or just ignore them. And, of course, if you ignore them, you'll kick your toe again. <laughs> That's how it works. So did that, Did I describe it enough? Sorry, Philip. No, no, that was that was a great explanation. Well, more questions coming through. Stand by. <laughs> Sorry, I can't see the questions. I probably should be one. I'm not sure. Can you breath. trust your intuition? Um, she messaged me in the back channel, and she said that, she made a lot of, you know, I guess it's around relationships, choosing the wrong people to be involved with, to give her time to, to give her love to. And then in the end, only hurting in the end. And she wonders, can she trust her intuition? Majority of times in situations like that, it's because you're not trusting your intuition that puts you into that position. So consequently, when we when we first meet someone, we oh we're in love, and you're getting all your intuitive messages right down at the base chakra. Okay, it all comes in that way. It's quite passionate. It's quite uh, exciting. It's alive. You know, it's all happening. But as we go into this relationship, there, there could be some of these little niggly things that happen, and this is where you need to trust your intuition because there'll be times there, and and I, look, I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to. And they've sort of gone, oh, I don't know. I always, I always thought they were playing up. I always thought there was there was something happening in the background. And they're aware of it, but they're not following it. So you get these little intuitive messages. Um, and it's not about trusting them. It's about trusting you because you're getting the messages. 
And then you need to have the ability to stand up and say something. Now, I was in a 20-year emotionally abusive relationship. It took me a long time. From the, from the time when I realised that I didn't really want to be in this relationship until I actually left, I was strong enough to leave. It was eight years. So, you know, these, they, we're getting these messages all the time. But what I, I first, the first thing I learned to do in this relationship was stop blaming him and stop blaming the alcohol, stop blaming external factors and started to look at me. Now, I'm not saying it was all my fault, but any part of that that could be my fault, I had the power, the internal power to fix it, to change it, to alter it. Every time I blame somebody else, I gave away my power. Don't blame others for the situation you're in because you're giving away your power. Okay, it, you may not feel it's your fault, but it doesn't matter. It's about your power and your power is understanding those messages that are coming in. The power is turning around and saying, you know what, I, I, I don't really like that. I don't know why I don't like that, but I don't like that. And you don't have to attack. As soon as you start saying you, 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 you're attacking because you've got this happening, the pinky, the pinky point. So when it's about your intuition, it's not another example I have, okay, is is I went back to uni when I was 48 years old. Right. I decided to throw in my I put renters in my home. I put a, a somebody in, a manager in my business, and I left my three children who were adults at that stage so they were living with their partners and I moved like three or four hours away to go to university now everything fell into line it was perfect like a, a place came to live I got the manager in I got somebody into my house everything all the little ducks lined up and I kept on thinking to myself my this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing this is my intuition I am on purpose I am I'm firing mate I'm I'm all go I did three years of uni worked part-time, three three part-time jobs. Six months after the uni degree finished, and it's when I did my Bachelor of Public Health, three years, uh, six months after the uni degree finished, the government changed hands and wiped out all the jobs. This, this career that I perceived to have and I followed everything to a T was no more. It was gone. And that's when I had to really, really trust my intuition because I trusted it all the way up there. I finished in the top 5% of, of Australia. You know, it was it was wonderful. I had nothing. I had a $30,000 bill to pay and no job. So that's when I wrote my book and that's when I started to look at the, the, the positives to it and I started to trust it. And it was like, okay, I needed to be there for some reason. I've now learned how to write a book. I know, I, I know how to structure words. I know how to, I'm not scared to be on computers. I'm not scared to be anywhere because I've done that through university. And I met some wonderful friends. I loved uni. I absolutely loved it. And because I'm a nerd, I really loved it even more. <laughs> so trusting your intuition is not about trusting other people. You know, there's a lot of people out there we don't want to trust. But you've got to trust your gut. You've got to trust you. And if you are saying, I don't know, I don't trust him, then there's something there that you're feeling and, and there's messages you're getting from your intuition. Trust your intuition. Forget about everything else. Trust that. Indeed, indeed. 
Such great knowledge. Thank you for sharing, Susan Jane. Someone would like to know this. How do I know if I'm intuitive? Ah, everybody's intuitive. Okay, because it's just a matter of whether or not we listen to it, pay attention to it, or flow with it. Those that are more analytical may or may not. Those that are more feeling people, emotional people may be more that's, intuitive. And that's how they feel it. Yes, right. absolutely. Yeah. And as I said before, it's those messages. Everyone's getting them. It's whether you are acting on them or not. Right. Okay. So we, we ask, if you if you want to know if you're intuitive, often I'll go to bed and I'll go, okay, I don't understand what I'm doing. God, for goodness sake, just tell me what I need to do. I ask. Okay. I'll go to bed and because I've asked, I'm open to receiving. I could get a dream that night or I wake up in the morning, I have my shower and it, oh, I get this aha moment in the shower. Often get it by water, I can assure you. You get those aha moments, you only know if you're intuitive if you choose to act on them because otherwise you're just getting messages and it doesn't mean anything. You choose to act on those messages, then you can turn around and say, yes, I'm not only intuitive, I'm acting on my intuition. I'm acting on those intuitive messages. So, yes, everybody's every time you see something, every time you hear something on the radio, why on earth are you listening to this now? It's because your intuition has tuned you into it. Mm -hmm. How do I connect with my intuition? Oh, I love this. This is so cool. You connect with your intuition. Oh, just This is really lovely. Okay. Connecting with your intuition is all about uh, giving yourself the time and space to do it. Okay. So connecting with your intuition is we, we look at meditation in that. It's a, that's, a, that's the best way to connect with your intuition. It's not the only way, I can assure you, but it's the best way. And it's the best way because it's give, you're honouring it. You're giving it the time, okay? What I look at is when I first started into uh, doing meditation, and I can show you, it's a bit of a pain in the bum to start with. Once you get into it, you, oh, I didn't want to stop. So what I did was I gave myself a space, so I put a cushion on the floor in my bedroom. It was only a little space because I didn't have much. I wanted against the wall because I wanted to sit up nice and straight. And I, I made my space. And then I gave myself the time, okay? So at this particular stage, my kids were in high school and they caught the bus to and from school. I was working on, we, we owned a 90-acre organic crop farm at that stage. So we'd get up early, do the work and everything else. Kids went off to school, did all the work. By lunchtime, we'd had almost a full day's work. Excuse me. So we'd come home. We would have our shower and have our lunch. And then I just I just had a little bit of time before the kids were due home from school. So I allowed 30 minutes of my time then. Now, I'm not saying we do a 30-minute meditation because I, I just couldn't. When you're first starting, you can't do it. But you've got to allow yourself some time, Okay. My time, I, I said the first week, at least five minutes because I'm a, I'm a bit of a, uh, I do struggle to sit still for a while. You'll probably see that in the video. <laughs> so my thing was I, I don't think I could sit and not do anything for longer than five minutes. So let give myself five minutes. So for the first week it was five minutes. The second week I went, okay, let's make it ten minutes. And my goal was not to sit there and turn off the thoughts or anything else because that's that's really really hard it's more about was more about turning on the thoughts but turning them on to what I wanted 
not what was going on around there. Because I remember sitting there, the first thing I did was, oh, I've got to hang up that washing before the kids get home. Oh, the kids will be home too. Oh, I've got to do the beds. Oh, oh, what are we going to have for dinner? <laughs> and we just went on and on and on and on. So connecting with your intuition is all about giving yourself that time and that space. One of the um, other areas you can do is, is stare. I love staring. Get your candle out and give yourself five minutes of just staring into the candle. Um, and if your thoughts go somewhere else, bring them back to the candle. Just keep bringing them back. So you're not turning them off. You're turning them on to the candle or you're turning them on to your breathing or you're turning them on to something that you want to connect with or, or be in tune with. Now, after I went through that for a little while, I got to the stage where I could meditate for nearly two hours at one stage because I just didn't want to come back. I was just loving it. Your mind starts to, the analytical side of the mind starts to go and the imagination starts to come through. Now, the imagination comes from the spirit side. So this imagination is coming through and that's where it becomes really beautiful. That's when you start to connect with your intuition because you're starting to really see things and you sort of think, well, why on earth did that pop into my head? And that is those intuitive messages coming through. So you're allowing yourself that time to connect, that space to connect, and you're honouring the connection. So that's the best way to connect with your intuition. Now, you can also do meditation actively. Once you've got used to doing that passive meditation, you can actually do it actively. Like I love hanging up the washing because that's my active meditation. So active meditation, you're doing something actively and allowing those, those thoughts to come through. So you can do active things. Another one is colouring in the mandalas. That's one of the things I do on my the courses. You colour in the mandala. So as you're doing that, you're focusing on what you're doing, but you're allowing that intuitive messages to come through. So that's how you connect with your intuition. That's the best way of connecting. Lots of other ways, but that's one of the easiest and the quickest. How do I strengthen it? So strengthen it's all about developing and strengthening it. Some of the, the tools that you use to strengthen your intuition are things like doing card readings, doing, like I do the flower reading. So learning those sort of things, there's, there's lots of other tools that you can use. And, and how these tools work is you have that analytical side of things. So, so with, say with the book, you've got your picture of your flower. Okay. That's your analytical side. You can look at 16 different elements in that image of a flower that you can get an understanding of so we can look at say the the um the stem is the path or the journey and you then you look at it analytically and you go well actually that picture has a really windy stem well that means your journey to your goal which is your flower is going to be windy there's going to be this happening there's going to be that happening so you're looking at it analytically even the card deck you look at the card um say if it's a tarot card it could be the death card now, everyone looks at the death card and goes, oh, my God, somebody's going to die. No, 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 no. This is about strengthening your intuition. What do you feel the death card is? Because I feel it's passing something that you don't want anymore or don't need anymore and allowing something new to come forward. So we have these different ways of getting these understandings. That's strengthening your intuition. If you looked at this picture, which is a big yellow um, sunflower, I know I've got another image inside, but what does a big yellow sunflower mean to you? How does that make you feel? What does that look like to you? And, and where does that come from? That's strengthening your intuition. And the other way to strengthen it, which was my biggest, my biggest aha really in that context, was talk, putting it out there, talking about it. 
okay, when I started doing, because I used to do flower readings like for hens parties and things like that many, many, many moons ago before I was, no, I just had children. So it wasn't, you know, I, my kids are 30, got their own children now. So it was it, it was a long time ago. This it's only been the last four or five years that I've actually been talking about flower readings in public. I don't even know whether I talked about it much to my family. So when I started talking about it and getting that understanding and putting it out there, that really made me strengthen my intuition. So if you already do card readings or you do anything like that, do it verbally, do it out there, do it for friends on videos, do, do it a little bit more because it it's what, what it's doing, it's pushing your comfort zone a little bit more and making you trust your intuition more or really developing it a lot more. So, yeah, go with the analytical stuff, anything like that, but there's, there's courses for that. Go with the analytical side of it and then bring up your intuitive messages from it, okay, because then you'll get to the stage where you'll be able to, like I can walk into the room, a room now, if, I'm, if I want to, I don't have to, but I can walk into the room and I can tell you what most people are feeling or what's going on. Um, and that can be really challenging too because it's like I had, <laughs> we had some guests over a couple of weeks ago and I'm saying to my partner, I'm saying, oh, he, he doesn't seem happy. There's something going on. He doesn't, he's not happy about something, but I don't know what it is. And it, straight away you sort of think, oh, their relationship's not good. But no, that wasn't what it was. Their relationship was fine, but there was something going on. And yeah, we found out later on that she was talking about something and she keeps on talking about it and over and over and over again to the state where she's like preaching instead of chatting with you. And he was, he was getting annoyed with it. So every time she'd start talking about something, he would get grumpy with it. And I said, I knew there was something going on, but I didn't know what it was. That was strengthening my intuition. I'm talking too much. Am I talking too much? <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't hear you. Of course not. You're not talking. You're giving us the information we need so we can succeed as we trust our intuition to make better duitions and come to have a better life fruition. Yeah, for sure. Tell us about this book here. Oh, okay. Yes, that's my book, um, Intuitive Flowers, Empowering Your Emotional Goals. So what, what I started, this was after uni because I needed to do something with all this analytical stuff that I had. <laughs> so I um, started writing this book. Now, this book is about we had a lot of SMART goals in uni and it was okay when someone said, oh, you know, let's let's write a SMART goal. You've got to be, you know, it's got to be succinct and specific and it's got to be measurable. And we went through all the, the, the SMART side of a SMART goal. But I remember thinking all I want to do is help people. And I didn't have like, I, it was more of an emotional goal. I needed to, I wanted to achieve this emotional goal. And I, every time I hear that, Somebody says, oh, thanks for that. That was really good. I get that emotional feeling come in and it's like, oh, that's what I wanted. That's wonderful. So to write SMART goals was fine, but I wanted an emotional goal. And then I started looking at, because I, I do true tree readings and I do, I do ch chakra readings as well. But I wanted to look at goals in life and I look at flowers as a goal because that's what a flower does. It, 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 it grows to bloom, to blossom, to give us love, to give us joy, to, you know, just to uh, embrace their beauty. Um, sometimes we get fruit from them. Sometimes they, you know, do lots of other things. Sometimes they eat insects. But we have, they have a goal. And that's when I went, you know what, if I had an emotional goal, 
what would that look like as a flower image? And that's where I went. And it was like, okay, I need it to be analytical because I had just done the uni and I need to have it. It needs to make sense. But I still wanted to have that lovely deep sense or deep feeling to it. So I started going through that. And that, and I just, I don't, I don't really know where it came from. I, it, I, I do believe it came from a, a bigger source than me, but I just wrote it. And I went through it and I go through it analytically. So you start to look at the, the stem of the flower. Like I said, the stem is the journey. Now, if you see the stem in a flower image, that means the journey or the path is very relevant. If you don't see the, 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 the um, stem, it isn't relevant. If you've got leaves in the flower image, the, they, they mean guides. And we could have them down low so they're a physical guide. We could have them up high in the flower image. They could be spiritual guides. We can have them to the left of the image, which is right, left of the image. <laughs> um, well, the, to the right of the image, I've got right is the physical going into the future and left is from the past. So we're getting this information from somebody that we already know or we're getting this information from somebody who we are going to meet. And then we look at shapes and the shapes are masculine and feminine in general. Not that it's a male or a female, but it's masculine and feminine because we all have masculine and feminine energies in us. So we can look at the shapes. And when we look at the shape of a leaf, we can turn around and say, well, you're going to get masculine information or a masculine, uh, it's going to be delivered to you in a masculine way. So it could be very, very direct. Um, I'm not stuffing around here. This is what you need to do. You need to do it now, rah, rah, rah. Or it could be very soft oh, you know, and, and feminine and nurturing. So you can get that sort of information. So if you can imagine you're picking a flower image, and if I said to you, think of a rose, now people are going to go, first thing I'm going to say is what colour is it? Because if somebody was doing a relationship, they'll probably go for a red rose. They may go for a white rose. And then we look at, is it a full bloom? Is it a bud? Is it... Um, is it all on the picture? Is it, is, it, is, it a, is it a field of flowers? Is it a, is it a bunch of flowers? Is, you know, cut flowers. Is it flowers on a long stem rose? And we go through all these different elements there. Um, if this was a business goal, the one we're looking at now, the, the petals are about attraction. If that was a business goal, I'd say that's your marketing. Okay, you really need to look at your marketing. You're missing some on the side there. You've, you've got to cover off on all of that. Uh, you need to be a little bit more direct and to the point and um, have these different uh, sort of elements in it. So when you're doing your marketing, make sure it's bright and joy, but direct and to the point as well. That's what the image in front of me is telling me. If that was my if that was my um, business goal anyway. Indeed, indeed. <clears throat> I was and reading a pest. I was reading a pest. Right Sorry. Oh, sorry. That, what are you that, saying? That, you you talk, sorry. No, no, you're fine. Go ahead. Um, the book actually takes you right through all those elements, the 16 different elements about it. So you can you learn. It's a it's it's a learning book. It's a um an educational book in the in the context that you can learn how to do flower readings when you if you purchase it. Yes, I added it to my Kindle library, so I will be reading it over the next couple of days because I I have a have a little flower garden on my patio. I need to maybe spend more time with. <laughs> yeah. but I was reading um as I was as you were talking and I was reading some of your passages as I was reading them. So I loved how you started, you know, your chapter intuition. Intuition is often considered a special gift. 
It is that inner voice that enables us to come to a conclusion instantaneously without realizing why. We can all relate to the phrases, it's a gut feeling, I had this hunch, or I feel it in my bones, being used to describe how you feel about making a decision or doing something which you cannot explain. There have been many times when I have been asked, how do you know? And I can only reply with, I don't know how I know, I just know. Some say it's instinct or foreknowledge or a prior awareness and others just say it came out of nowhere. The list of names or explanations about intuition varies, but the results are all the same. Intuition is a deep seated knowing. That is such a powerful intro. Oh, thank you. I've never heard anybody read it before. Wow, that was really lovely. Oh, yeah, I do a little voice work, you know. <laughs> you might want to pick me up for your your, your own voice work, <laughs> your yeah. audio version of your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what I need, yep. <laughs> you do it very, very well, and you pause. It was, that was lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank oh, you. I'm really on it. No, no, thank yourself. You wrote it. When I'm reading it, it doesn't quite sound as nice oh. as what you did when you read it. That's for sure. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you know, um, well, thank you. Any last words or flowing words to take us into our new chapters of being intuitive before we go? Well, the, the main thing is that the three steps, and that is ask. If you're unsure, ask. And when you ask, you open yourself up to receiving, okay? And if you don't ask, you're not going to receive, or you may be receiving it, but you're not aware of it. And then, of course, it is to action it. And some of those ways to ask is like deep, sincere prayer. We can um, we can ask with we we can ask by even saying, "Oh, what the hell? What's going on? Tell me what's going on." You know, we can yell and scream it as long as we're asking and and going to bed just before you go to bed, asking that question then. But make it clear and make it understanding so you know what the answer is going to be in a in a context that. It's not going to be too woo-woo, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when you ask, sort of go, oh, look, I, I'm not sure what direction I'm going to take. Can you give me a hand? You know what I'm thinking. I, I, should I go this way or that way? Let Give me a hand on what direction I should take. Show me a sign. Give me something. And you will either get a dream about it. And then read up. This is the action part. Read up what that dream means. Get an understanding of it. Ask somebody. Connect with me on Facebook. Ask me. I'll tell you. I'll give you my idea. I won't tell you. Sorry. I'll give you my idea. Um, and, and get an understanding of it, then action it. Because once you've got that knowing, you can action it. And, and action it can even be as simple as, okay, I know which way to go now. Or not really sure. I need more information. Give me some more signs. I remember one sign I had. I, I remember I didn't know what I was doing. I had the deck of cards, oracle cards. 50-odd cards in this deck, I remember going, I want a yes, no answer, and there was only one yes and one no. All the rest could be yes, could be no. You could go take them either way. But there was only two cards, one had a yes, one a no. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. I want to know. I'm sick of tired of this fluffy stuff. I want to really know. Give me an answer. I've pulled out, out of all those, that, that card, I've pulled out the yes card. And it was like, oh, my God, you can't get more synchronistic than that. And you know what? I didn't action it. That's my lesson. <laughs> I should have actioned it. 
but this is how we can go. This is how we can get our answers. We can. This is how we can get this information. That's why cards are good, anything like that. But ask, ask and you will receive, I can assure you. Um, so all the very, very, very best. Um, if you want to connect with me, you know where you can do that. It's on the ticker tape. It's intuitivenature.com.au. Remember, it's AU. It's an Australian business. And um, if you've got any questions, you know, join up on the, the Facebooky pages as you do. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Indeed, indeed. And thank you for being a guest on the More Than Therapy podcast. That's Susan Jane. And you can find more about her and her mission at intuitivenature.au. That's intuitivenature.au. Not dot com. Dot no, net. no, dot, it dot is dot com. It is dot com dot au. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> remix. <Yeah. laughs> Let's go with the <laughs> remix. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> um, cut it out. <laughs> um, intuitive nature dot com dot au that's intuitive nature dot com dot au if you haven't already please subscribe to the morning therapy podcast featuring special guests like today's guest susan jane who talks about trusting your intuition you can subscribe to it wherever you push play to listen to your favorite podcast that's the morning therapy podcast be well be great